Work is worship. Uh, it's coming soon, March 2nd. be from 8 o'clock to um, 8.30 to 2 o'clock. It's a live streaming event where for people who are having to live in that sometimes what it feels like you're walking in two worlds, at work and then in your spiritual life, but the goal is to realize how those things integrate one another rather than contradict one another. And so you have an opportunity to hear from multiple voices um, to show us how to do that. So I want to encourage you to check that out. There's information on the website, and uh, everyone's invited. So we are this morning. Oh, excuse me. I didn't introduce myself. <laughs> My name is John Cavell. I get to serve as one of the pastors here. We are this morning starting a whole new series. We did all the baggage, and now for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about love. Because <laughs> we're all about the love here at Desert Springs Bible Church. And... Um, uh, you want to make sure you attend each week, because I do know for a fact that our lead pastor, Caleb Campbell, may or may not be performing I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. <laughs> if that happens, you want to be here. You want to be here. I can't confirm it one way or the other, but if it happens, you want to be here for that. Seriously, you want to be here for that. Well, okay. So what is love? And how do you know if it's love or if it's a love thing or if it's pure love or sacred love or punk rock love? Maybe you're stone in love or stupid in love. Maybe you're on a love street or on a love train or just waiting until love walks in. Sooner or later, love rears its ugly head. When you love someone or when somebody loves you or you wonder where's the love or why can't this be love? Sometimes love hurts. Sometimes love bites. Sometimes love stinks because that's the way love goes. So whether you're a victim of love or you give love a bad name, we want a whole lot of love. We want somebody to love because we still believe in the power of love. Ah, and today we're going to begin this series with another song title. I wanna know what love is. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's what we're doing. Love is a strange thing. It's hard to define, but we know it when we see it. We know it when we experience it. And throughout this series, we'll be kind of jumping out of a passage that might be familiar to you, uh, even if you're not a Bible reader, because it's often used in weddings, and it's in 1 Corinthians 13, and it begins to answer this question, what is love? So in 1 Corinthians 13, starting at verse 1, it says, if I speak human or angelic languages, but do not have love, I'm a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing. And if I donate all my goods to feed the poor, and if I give up my body in order to boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. See, what the Apostle Paul is saying here is that our good deeds and maybe even amazing gifts all fall short of their potential impact if we do not have love. So, but we're asking the question, well, what, what is love? What is love? Well, in order to answer that or begin to answer it, we need to start with God, who is the source of love in its purest form. And also the need to understand that what it means for children of God and followers of Christ to be the conduits of God's love into our lives and then into the lives of other people. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So I want to start off with this principle that God's love demonstrates value. God's love demonstrates 
value. And it's interesting in the original languages in which the Bible was written, Hebrew in the Old Testament and Greek in the New, there really isn't an equivalent word for our, the way we use the English word value. It most often is communicated through a word that's translated love. And so what's interesting is you can often take verses that describe God's love for people and how God wants his love to flow through us into the lives of other people. It's almost interchangeable with the word value. So the first one I want to look at, very familiar verse, John 3.16. If you're not familiar with what it says, you probably have seen the reference a few times. At least it used to be pretty predominant at football games. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. But if we take that word love there and we use the word value it begins to kind of shed light on how God demonstrates that value. For if God, for God values people in this way, he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God loves people. God values people so much that he gave his son to die for them. Similar thing happens in Romans 5.8. These are just a couple of examples. We could go on all day about them. In Romans 5, 8, but God proves or demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, now if we insert that word value there, look what it says. But God demonstrates his value for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, before I ever even thought about Jesus, before I ever had any kind of understanding of what he could mean in my life, Christ had already died for me. He had already died for every sin I would ever commit. Before it ever even occurred to me that maybe what I need is Jesus in my life, he had already died for my sin. He had already demonstrated God's great love and value for me. And the same is true for every single one of us. Every single person. But it's not just about understanding the nature of God's love. Because it doesn't stop there. Because it means that we need to be willing to understand the nature of God's love and how loving God and loving people go together. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus is engaged into a conversation with one of the scribes. It says, one of the scribes approached, and when he heard them debating and saw that Jesus answered them well, he asked Jesus, which command is the most important of all? Well, this is the most important, Jesus answered. Listen, Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Sounds good so far, right? Love God with everything you are and everything you have. But then he went on. Then he said, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. Now, I want you to notice something here. He didn't say there are no greater commands than these. He said there is no greater command, singular. That singular command being love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself are two parts of one command. And that's very, very very important because we say that we love people you know especially when you're in church 
You know, I've, I remember somebody saying, well, I love all people in God's way. And I'm thinking, really? What does that mean? Because how do you love someone if you don't even like them or you don't even know them? I, I've got a bunch of friends on Facebook, you know, Facebook friends, or whatever that's worth. Um, I got a bunch of friends on Facebook who would say, I love God and I love Jesus. But then you look at some of the things that they post about certain people, and I'm thinking, well, you love God and you love Jesus, but it doesn't sound like you like people much. There's a lot of anger and a lot of vitriol out there. But if we are called to value people the way God values us, then that becomes a challenge. But I think what I want to show you today is how it's more of an attainable challenge than we might at first think. And this began to sink in one day. I was at Circle K. I was standing in line, and there was a customer in front of me, and he was growing ever impatient with the guy behind the counter. And the guy in front of me was not being very nice to the guy, and the guy behind the counter was working hard to try to get him what he wanted, but I could understand why the counter guy was frustrated because this guy in front of me was not being real clear. And he was getting more and more impatient all the time. And he turns around and looks at me and goes, man, it's hard to get a good help. And I said, I don't know, looks like he's working pretty hard to me. That's all I wanted to say about it, you know. But then, and he kept kind of just giving the guy a bunch of, you know, about his working and stuff like that. And I remember as this guy finally left and went out, it occurred to me, I don't ever want to be that guy. I don't ever want to be that guy. So when I stepped up, I said, rough day? <laughs> and from that point on, because I was a pretty regular customer at various Circle Ks around the area in which I live, um, I decided I'm never going to be that guy. I, those guys work hard behind that counter. I'm going to show them respect. So I just made God into the habit of saying, hi, how you doing? Having a good day? How's it going? Great. Thanks for your help. Appreciate it. See you later. And so then one day, my wife Joy and I were out, and we stopped in Circle K, and we're standing in line. We come up to the counter, and I'm like, hey, didn't you used to work at the Circle K over on 32nd Street? Yeah, 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 I was over there, but then I moved over here because the guy over on Union Hills moved this way, and I'm, I'm totally tracking with him. I'm, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that guy. All right. And so we finally leave, and my wife looks at me and goes, okay, you need to get a life because <laughs> if you've got that much time on your hands to be tracking the movement of the people that work, you know, and well, she was probably right. And, um, you see, if God's love demonstrates value, then that makes the call to love people tangible. Because now, because before it's like, okay, well, God loves us, so we should love people. Oh, yeah, we should really do that. I don't know what, I don't have anything in mind. What am I going to do? You know? Oh, yeah, especially like the people I don't really like and the ones that irritate me, and yeah, I'm going to love them from now on. Well, what's that going to look like? But suddenly now it's becoming a little more tangible. I can get my head around the idea of treating people like they're valuable to God. When we first uh, moved back here from Texas, we were staying with some friends of ours and um, I didn't have my car here yet, and so my friend Bob loaned me his car. And it was a really nice car. It wasn't a car that I would buy. So it wasn't like, oh, I get to drive this car, it's so cool. It was like, you know, hey, man, thanks so much for helping me out. But I became very kind of self-conscious about the fact that I was driving this really nice car uh, that belongs to someone else. and someone whom, you know, I don't want them to think I'd 
don't respect them. And so I was really careful with it. Anytime I go to a store, I'd park in the back of the parking lot where nobody else is because I didn't want anybody dinging the doors or anything like that. You see, the car didn't really mean a lot to me because it wasn't a car that I would buy. But it was important to me, it became important to me because it belonged to someone who was valuable, was important to me. Bob's friendship is important to me. He loans me his car, so I'm going to treat it as something very valuable. Not because it has this inherent value to me, but because it does to him. And he has value to me. You see, if God is valuable to us, and the person that we're dealing with is valuable to God, all God asks is treat that person like they're valuable to me. Then I can do that. I don't have to conjure up some false feeling of affection or anything like that. I can treat somebody like they're valuable to God because God's important to me. And that's what I think Jesus is looking for. And because the truth is, there's a principle, I didn't make this up, but I heard it from someone else and I've believed it since I heard it and I use it a lot, is that when you treat someone as valuable, they'll become valuable to you. Treat somebody like they're valuable and they'll become valuable to you. Years ago when I was in college, I worked at a company and we were all in the same building. We had a warehouse on the bottom floor and then you had offices up on the upper floors. Has anybody ever worked at a place like that where you got the offices and then you got the warehouse? Okay, one. All right. <laughs> well, if you have ever worked in that kind of place, you know there's like an office culture up here and then there's the warehouse culture. And the two groups don't always think a lot of each other. But in my job, I had to regularly go down to the warehouse and go back and forth. I worked upstairs, but I had to go downstairs a lot. And I remember one time people were upstairs, were kind of having some discussions and, you know, saying some not nice things about some of the warehouse people and, oh, yeah, this one guy, Carl, and stuff like that. And I, and I remember walking down there and I thought, Ugh, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be like that. So I thought, well, what do I do? All right. So every time I started, had to go down to the warehouse, I'd walk by and I'd say, hey, Carl, how you doing? So I did. One day I said, hey, Carl. He's looking at me like, hi. And I kept going. Next time I had to go down again, I'm like, hey, Carl, how you doing? I'm all right, weirdo. <laughs> but I kept doing it. So after a couple of weeks, guess what happened? I'd walk down there, I'd look for Carl. Hey, Carl, how you doing? Hey, John, how are you? And it started getting like that. You know, sometimes I'd walk down, he'd see me first. Hey, John, what's up, man? Hey, yeah. So one day I walked down there, and I'm like getting my stuff, and I'm looking around for Carl. I'm like, where's Carl? I'm like, I don't know, I hope he's okay. Well, anyway, so I went back. Then the next day I had to go down again, and looking around, where's Carl? Couldn't find him. Well, he's probably just out sick. I'm sure he's fine, you know. Next time I go down, still no Carl. <laughs> so I went to find somebody. I said, hey, what's up? where's Carl? Where's, where's he going? I don't know. He's probably out sick. Who cares? I'm like, well, I do. <laughs> and so it happened a couple more days, and I was starting to get worried about Carl. <laughs> and a few weeks ago, I barely knew the guy's name. I didn't care if he wasn't. I didn't notice if he was there or not. didn't really care. But I had made the decision to treat somebody like they were important, treat somebody like they were valuable, and guess what happened? It became valuable to me. 
And when it says, love your neighbor as yourself, that word neighbor, basically what that means is just whoever you have to do with at the time. Whoever's in front of you, whoever you're dealing with at the moment. Someone at work, someone at school, someone in your neighborhood, someone in your family, cashier at Circle K. Value whoever it is you're dealing with like you would value yourself. Value that person the way God does. Remind yourself, that person is valuable to God. So what am I going to do about that? How am I going to treat that person? Do I treat them well? Or do I treat them badly? Here's another thing that kind of had to become an eye-opener, a game-changer for me. In John chapter 13, it's quoting Jesus again, where Jesus says, I give you a new command. Here's that command again. Love one another just as I have loved you, you must also love one another. Let's take out the word love, put it in value. Value one another. Just as I value you, you must value one another. Let's go on. Another example. In John 15, Jesus says, this is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. Value one another as I valued you. No one has greater love than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. Same writer, the Apostle John, picks this principle up again in 1 John chapter 3. In verse 16, it says, This is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us, and we should also lay down our lives for our brothers. Now, here's the thing. I remember when I first read that kind of word, that kind of verbiage, lay down my life for somebody. So, this is like a one-shot thing. Because it sounds like, okay, if you really want to love somebody, lay down your life, die. Well, okay. I hope, I mean, when that chance comes, I hope I know it. I mean, what if I screw it up? I mean, what if I do it wrong? I mean, you get one shot, right? To take a bullet or step in front of a moving vehicle. What is that supposed to mean? Well, the word that's translated lay down is a Greek word, Tithemi. And what it, it can be translated to lay down or to lay down one's life, but it really means it in a sense of taking something and putting it aside. So the idea of laying down one's life doesn't necessarily mean dying. It means taking your life and putting it aside. I guess in some ways, in some context, maybe that's what that means. I mean, in a sense, anybody who enlists in the armed services makes that commitment that they will put their life aside for the sake of their calling. And many of them have. But if God is calling me to lay down my life, if, if love means value, and laying down my life just means putting my life aside, that's a game changer. Because can I put my life aside for someone else to demonstrate their value to God? Maybe it's just, at this point, maybe in one situation, it's putting your life aside for an hour. Maybe it's putting your life aside for a day. Maybe it's putting your life aside for a season. It's going to be different in all different situations. But now, suddenly, this isn't just a one-time thing. This is doable. I can do this. I can look at somebody and say they're valuable to God, 
so they need to be valuable and important to me. And, and I can take my life and I can put it aside for a moment, for an hour, for a season, whatever it takes to demonstrate their value to God. I can do that. <laughs> Suddenly now the abstract becomes more concrete and more tangible. But see, the problem is sometimes we think about the idea of loving God and loving people as two separate things. That to love God and love people is like multitasking. You know, it'd be like, you know, like I'm driving, and while I'm driving, I've also got my beverage right here, and then, you know, I've also got some to eat because I'm usually running late, and so I'm multitasking. I'm driving and I'm eating, driving and I'm eating. I'd probably be driving better if I wasn't trying to eat, and I would probably be eating better, or at least leave, making a lot less of a mess, if I wasn't trying to drive at the same time. But often people think of loving God and loving people as two separate things. Well, I'm good at loving God. I love God all the time. But people, yeah, that's harder. Not so, not so good at loving people. So I'm always loving God. I'm good at that. But when it comes to loving people, yeah, that's harder for me. So yeah, I would probably say I'm really good at loving God, but not so good at loving people. So sometimes I'm, I'm loving God all the time. Sometimes I'm loving people. But here's the problem. Jesus said there's no greater command, singular, than these two things put together. So loving God and loving people is not like multitasking. It's like breathing. Somebody said, you know, when it comes to breathing, I'm good at inhaling. And so I do that a lot. I do that pretty consistently, but I'm not so good at exhaling. So I don't do that near as much. I don't do that as well. Really good at the inhaling, not so good at the exhaling. You would listen to them and go, that doesn't work. If you're going to inhale, you've got to exhale in order to inhale again, <laughs> right? And then if you want to exhale again, well, you've got to inhale first. I mean, it just it goes together. It's not multitasking. It's two actions that create a single action, breathing. So loving God and demonstrating that value to people is like breathing, it's one thing. It's two things that go together. If I say that I'm loving God, but I'm not showing that value to people, then I'm loving God wrong. I'm not doing it right. Because of experiencing God's value for me and understanding the value that God has in my life doesn't make me show that value to someone else. Then I'm doing it wrong. I'm doing it wrong because they go together. There is no greater command than these. Jesus didn't make a grammatical mistake there. He put them together into one singular action. In a little bit, we're going to be taking the bread and the cup together. And I want to go back to that Mark 12 passage again. But Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then he said, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command that's greater than these. This is the standard. 
to which God calls us. And it sounds really high and lofty, and it can sound really unattainable if we let it. But you know, God is not going to call us and challenge us and command us to do something that is literally impossible to do. It doesn't work that way. And so when we realize how attainable this is, then it changes, at least it did for me, how I understand the love of God and how I am to communicate that love, that value to other people. See, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, God's love was demonstrated. The value that God has for people was demonstrated. So much so that God in human flesh, in a beaten, tortured, rejected, humiliated, betrayed state, hung on the cross, while every ounce of the shame and regret and pain of every sin ever committed by every person who's ever lived was laid on him. Fully God, but yet fully human. Experiencing the, sh- the guilt and the regret and the shame of every perpetrator of sin, of every sin, but also experiencing the victimization of every person who's ever been hurt by someone else's sin. All of that laid on Jesus after being falsely accused, illegally tried, tortured, rejected, misrepresented. He took all of my sin. Even that alone is a lot. But he took yours too. And he did that all before we ever even knew about it. God's great value for every person he's created. You see, God created you because he wanted to. You're not a mistake. No one is. Everybody was created on purpose. God loves you because he chooses to. I remember for a long time I felt like, well, God loves me, but he has to. Kind of said I'll love everybody and maybe he didn't realize I was going to sign up. And then I did, and he's like, well, all right. I said, whoever shall come. It may be that you've never actually said yes to God's love through the death of Christ on the cross. It may be that you're not sure if you have. I understand that. I get it. But if today is a day that you want to say yes to God's love through Jesus on the cross, that you want to say yes to the value that God ascribes to you, What a great way to say yes by taking the bread and the cup that are going to be passed out in just a minute. 
by saying yes to God's love, by saying yes to Christ's death on the cross for you, by receiving that, accepting it, demonstrating that by taking that bread and that cup. So that you can, if you're, and if you're not sure you ever have, well, then you can know for sure. That on February 17, 2019, I said yes. I took the bread, I took the cup, yes. I know for sure. If I never knew for sure before, I know for sure now. We're going to do that now. 1 Corinthians 11. The Apostle Paul writes, On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And that word remembrance there means to acknowledge an event that happened but has an ongoing truth or reality in our lives. It's like many, many years ago, I graduated from high school. And then many years after that, I graduated from college. Now, those things happened in the past, but I, am, I still continue to be a college graduate. And so when he says, when Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, it's remembering it as a past event that has an ongoing force in our lives. So with that in mind, let's take the bread together. And then he went on, and he took the cup. And the passage goes on to say, after supper, he also took the cup and said, this cup is a new covenant established by my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, a past event with an ongoing force. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. What that means is that when we take the bread and we take the cup, we are identifying with it. We're saying... This is me. I need this. The death of Christ, his resurrection, I need it. I'm lost without it. Let's take it together. When we think about God's love, how God values us, One of my favorite things to remember, I need to be reminded of it, I need to hear it, is that in Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul writes, for I am convinced or persuaded that not even death or life or angels or principalities, things present or things to come or powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, there's no good thing that I can do to deserve that love or earn that love, but in the same way, there's no stupid thing I can do that will separate me from it. God loves and values us, not because we deserve it, but because he chooses to. And because he chooses to, I can't unplug it, I can't disable it, I can't derail it. And all he asks is that we allow that love to flow through us into the lives of others. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you 
for choosing to love us. God, you know me better than I know myself, and if I know I don't deserve it, then you know far better. But yet, God, you make this offer, you make this promise, and so we cling to that. And God, I pray for each one of us that we would be looking for ways each day to just see every person with whom we lock eyes throughout our day, home, work, school, neighborhood, walking in and out of a store, and see them as someone whom you value. And that in that moment, even maybe in a very small way, we can treat them as though they're valuable. Make them valuable to us because they're valuable to you. In Jesus' name, amen.